You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Ducks Limit Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you, the DU Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast. My name is John Gordon. I'm your host. I'm a senior communication specialist at Ducks Unlimited Headquarters, Memphis, Tennessee, and coming to you from Spread Oaks Ranch in Texas. Now I'm joined by uh, Alyssa and Micah Godwin. If y'all don't know who they are now, you're going to, because uh, once again, you just got to watch the DU Nation, and uh, you're going to see the, uh, the incredible taxidermy work they do, and we had, man, uh, the, the teal hunt, is that, could it get any better than that? Banger. Not at all. That's for sure. perfect. <laughs> Phenomenal <laughs> teal hunt. Yes, I mean... The, the the job that folks here at Spread Oaks have done with habitat management is uh, it's incredible. I mean, Rob has really is really turned this place into a waterfowl paradise, as y'all saw, and with the help of Ducks Unlimited as well. I mean, we've you know our local biologist down here, Taylor Abshire, has done a lot of work with uh, building these ponds and, and really making this place a, a a waterfowl destination. Yeah, this place is the definition of if you build it, they will come. And uh, this morning they they came in full force. That's for sure. That's it, man. I mean, and, and yeah, if, if it's it's really a special place, you know, in more ways than one, as y'all have seen. I mean, and Forrest Wiley, the owner, you can't say enough about what he's done for DU, supporting it, and everything. But uh, this podcast is about the two of you today, because you know, like I said, the original story, uh, we were thinking about taxidermy as a possible film. Uh, subject and I thought it was like yeah we got this guy over here and that guy over there and then campus waterfowl director Derek Christians came up and said man I know a husband and wife team you know and, and listen Micah and so I said here's here's Micah's number so I called you on the phone and said hey man would you yeah. be interested in, in doing some filming down there and then you know as soon as I found out you're on El Campo then the whole thing just came Perfect. together because of the fact of, you know, Spread Oaks is here and we, you know, we could film the hunting here and then film the taxidermy with y'all. So, Alyssa, I'm going to start with you. Give me a little background on, on where you're from and, and uh, you know, how you ended up in taxidermy. So, I'm the native Texan out of the two of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm the born again Texan. <laughs> I grew up around waterfowl since I was probably like 10. I was duck hunting with my dad and my brothers weren't that into it. So I was the one that he would always take to tag along with them. But he and my grandpa always did their own taxidermy, mostly birds. Um, so when I was watching them all growing up, I wasn't really that interested. But about five years ago, then I'd finally jumped into it, started mounting birds with him. And I really haven't start, stopped yet. My grandpa always did his own decoys. He carved them and they're beautiful pieces of work. They definitely put that that love of waterfowl in me. 
um, from the start. So that's kind of how I got my start. Then I went to Texas A&M, got involved with Ducks Unlimited, started working for Campus Waterfowl. That's how Micah found me. <laughs> yeah. So on, on Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> Pretty girl that mounts ducks. That uh, caught my attention. I'm not one yeah. to, to slide in the DMs, but, you know, pretty girl that mounts birds, and I had to had to shoot my shot, see what happened. But, hey. <laughs> That's right. Joke's on everyone else. It worked. We're, ner- we're now married. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of creepy for a bit there, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, warm, I warmed up to it. <laughs> you got to give me more credit than that. You know, so, uh, Micah, you, you're from South Carolina? Yep, from uh, Orangeburg, South Carolina. I went to Clemson University and. Uh, my dad didn't ever hunt. My brother got big into it. So he was one of the first ones that started taking me. I just fell in love with waterfowl hunting right from the start. But went to Clemson University. I, I majored in agricultural mechanization and business. I worked some summer internships, just, you know, having to be present at work. A lot of times you have downtime and stuff. And I just, I'm a fourth generation entrepreneur. You know, everybody on my dad's side of the family started and ran their own business. And I was looking for something to get involved in um, that I could do on my own. So I ordered a taxidermy kit one summer. I think it was my junior year of college and mounted a hen mallard dead mount. And, um, you know, word started traveling around. I was mounting some birds. I did some for next to nothing for buddies and stuff like that. And one thing led to another. Graduated college. There was a, a job opened up, guiding waterfowl at Featherhorn Farm. So I worked there. Got a bunch of birds, started telling people, hey, 125 bucks, I'll mount your duck for you. You know, started out cheap just to try to get some practice. And I was able to get enough birds to kind of make it through the year. And I was like, you know, I'll give this one more shot before I go get a quote unquote real job. And um, took in, you know, over 200 birds that next season and hit the ground running, never stopped. So, but we've been very blessed to just have some really good mentors to help us out. You know, some of these um, taxidermy shows and competitions we've gone to is where we really been able to hone our skills and dial in, you know, and get better. We've had a lot of people help us along the way. You know, God's put a lot of a very important people in our lives that have just kind of helped us get where we needed to be. And now we've been doing it for five years full time. And I love, I love what I do. I get to do what I love with who I love every day. And it doesn't get any better than that. That's uh, that's really special because you know, like I said, the the, the husband and wife aspect of this is is pretty intriguing. You know, it just doesn't. You don't see it you yeah. know, very often at all. And the fact that y'all specialize in waterfowl is another interesting thing, you know, because you, y'all both had that common love for mounting birds, you know. That's right. another thing that, that was really cool. And that was another thing. I mean, I wanted to specialize in waterfowl because a lot of taxidermists, they're a one-man show. They try to mount everything, and they get bogged down. You know, I, I, you're going to wait two years, three years, which, I mean, those guys are busting their tail every day, day in and day out, but they just have so much work. So the fact that there's two of us that are equally talented, we're just able to stay on top of our work a lot more. And the fact that we only do waterfowl, you know, a lot of these guys will jump from a deer to an alligator to a bird. And it's hard to get dialed in on one thing. So if you do the same thing day in, day out, you can really, really dial in your skills and and, kind of master the craft, which we're still learning every day. It's just it's one of those things that you never stop learning. And if you say that you've mastered it and you're not learning anymore, then you're, <laughs> you know, that's not, not exactly <laughs> true. I mean, there's always something you can do better. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I, y'all's work is incredible. You know, it, it, you. it really, I'm very impressed, you know, just walking in a little showroom right there at your shop. Once again, folks, you can see this on DU Nation, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, go check it out. It, it's, um, it, it's really impressive because, you know, ducks are not easy. I mean, no. to get it right. I mean, you really have to put the time and effort into it. You know, another thing we captured on film is, you know, just the drying processes and everything you go through. If you don't, if you try to shortcut that, you're going to end up with poor quality. And that's just the bottom line. Yeah. You'll see a lot of guys just 
call it commercial taxidermy and they want to, you know, get it in, get it out, you know, get their money. But if you just take the extra time, it doesn't take a lot of extra time, but the devil's in the details with taxidermy. I want to look at that bird from every angle, look at his eyes, you know, it's it's all in the eyes, you know. We've gotten to the point where we're so OCD from going to these competitions where we won't let it leave the shop if it's not like to our level of what a bird should look like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I looked out the window and there's there's <laughs> those mallards, you <laughs> yeah. know, swimming around in there. So you're like, yeah, if you if you're unsure about exactly how a position should be, you know, you sit there and look out the window yeah. at, at the bird. <laughs> That's our secret weapon. You know, yeah, you yeah. A few I know. live mallards hanging out out the window. It, right. You right. check it, yourself. <laughs> it really, it, it it's got it's got to help you. You know, make sure that it's it's really realistic and the stuff y'all do and. You know, from the dead mount stuff to, you know, just the different environmental stuff and everything. I mean, it's it's really cool. And that one, it was a mallard, I think, that was a dead mount that was hanging on a limb. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it done like that before. Yeah, that bird was killed in Arkansas. He, he kind of had an idea of what he wanted to do, but that bird had some shot damage on one side. So, you know, just listen to your taxidermist. There's always some kind of cool pose we can do, though. You know, that bird had a really bad right wing. So I said, hey, let's, you know, hang him like he's dead because he wanted a dead mount. But I was like, let's, you know, put that flaw to the wall, so to speak. And, <laughs> you know, we can hang him like this. And it's a good display of the bird. You don't show that damage off because, I mean, we're only as good as the bird we're working with. That, that's a great point. And it brings up, you know, something that we, we also covered on film. But I really want you to talk about is, you know, how somebody should prepare a bird to, you know, be sent to you. I mean, what they should do to keep it as, as good as possible uh, before the mounting process. Yeah. Um, I mean, blood, dirt, those things happen. We, if, I mean, John saw the wash process. I mean, it's a, uh, it's pretty extensive, so don't shy away from that stuff. If you have big holes, you know, if you're shooting BBs and you hit them with three or four in the head, that's not ever good, but, I mean, there's a lot we can do to hide damage, like I said, but you also want to try to look for the best bird possible, but um, pretty much just wet paper towels around the head, around the feet. Never use pantyhose. I don't know who came up with that, but <laughs> yeah, it needs to be punished. Yeah, that was an old school deal, right? <laughs> yeah. Some of them, will, they'll put the whole bird in just pantyhose and then freeze yeah. it. No bag, anything, and they'll bring it in and be like, oh, this is what I was told to do. Yeah. No. <laughs> Everything yeah. is wrong. <laughs> Treat that bird like it's a filet mignon. Just like you would, you don't want air to get to it. Just, you know, your meat, you're going to vacuum seal it. You're going to, you know, keep the air off of it. Heavy duty plastic bags, but vacuum sealers are great. Just, you don't want to over compress that bird. You know, you want to get the air out of it, stop it and seal it. Um, but just Ziploc bags with a wet paper towel around the whole head and then a wet paper towel around each foot. I mean, that's, you're, you're talking four to six years where I can pull that bird out and it's like, it's prime. It looks like, you know, the bird was just killed. You know, and that's incredible because if you leave it not prepared that way for four to six years, oh, it's ruined. I mean, yes. there's no way to get around it. Yes. They can be mounted, but they just, they're never going to turn out. So in that instance, you know, quality is number one. Um, I don't want to take somebody's money if it's not going to reflect our quality and be the best it can be, you know, especially if, if it's a special bird, it's a hybrid, a son's first bird, you know, we're always going to do the best we can, but that will be communicated out ahead of time. You know, I'm going to lower the expectations and let you know, um, just communication is so big and so many taxidermists are, they just do a poor job at communicating. Um, yep, it's amazing right. what problems you can solve with a phone call. Is, is there any, any skills that either one of you say is better than the other one? <laughs> um, Alyssa taught me a lot about slow down. It's not just a business making your money, you know, pay attention to these details, set that eyelid just right. You know, these little things, you know, take your time on your paint. She really taught me to slow down, to pay attention to the detail because 
And one of the first times we mounted a bird together, I just watched her sit there with tweezers and groom and groom and get every feather lined up. And I was like, you know, that's what I've been missing, you know. Um, right. I was more of a production. Hey, let's let's get it done. It looks good. Let's send it home. But she taught me to slow down, and I'm still learning from her. We we definitely both have strengths and weaknesses, and that's where we have a big advantage over a lot of people is we're constantly challenging each other day in and day out. And, right. You know, she'll mount a bird, and I'll walk over there and kind of look at it. And, <laughs> you know, you might get a make this adjustment and she does the same thing to me, but that's what's, that's what's cool about having two of us. Alyssa, what is something you really learned from Micah? I would say probably flying birds. I don't know how he gets the compression, that, that look of actually pushing down on the wind. Like he, he's incredible with flying birds. We both do both, but Alyssa does most of the standing birds. I do most of the flying birds. So you're talking about we're specializing in waterfowl, but then you have one guy here that's specializing in flying waterfowl, and then a girl here that's specializing in, st- I mean, we're getting to narrow it down to really learning that craft and narrowing it down to certain poses, you know. There's certain poses she does better than me, and there's ones that I do better than her, but you just, quality is number one with bird taxidermy. You're going to look at this thing for 40, 50 years, a lifetime. You I know? mean, in my office alone at DU headquarters, I think I've got eight mounts on the wall that I'm looking at every day, you know, so it's important to me that it, that it's really, you know, good quality stuff. And, and trust me, y'all, y'all are going to mount some birds for me <laughs> in the future. To They're going to be hanging right there. Yes, sir. Um, you know, that, that was a great point that, you know, with, with the two of you working together, not only are you, you know, feeding off each other, but you're raising your standards together, you know, and that's, that's something that somebody working by themselves, you know, never has. I mean, right. you know, it'd be real easy to just go, well, that looks good enough. Right. Yeah. And you saw somebody over your shoulder going, no, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, right. you know, you've got to put blunt. in the time. We're pretty oh, yeah. blunt to each other. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it's not honest. good enough. <laughs> you know? That's right. Yep. Quality's number one. So if we one of us sees something, we're quick to point it out. But you got to do it in the right way. You know, you, you do that sandwich where you give the compliment, the critique, and then another compliment. And then that one little critique doesn't sound so bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So that's you got to right. sandwich it in when you're working with your wife. I mean. We, but we have a good time. You know, we had uh, this uh, past Thursday night, we were there at, uh, at the DU Rice uh, Belt Chapter uh, event here in El Campo. Big time event. I mean, it was uh, it was really a great turnout and, and really deal. But I thought that was really cool that y'all came up there and uh, supporting DU and were there in person, you know, with some of your mounts and, and talking to people. And, uh, you know, so, that, you know, y'all support of the organization is great. Yes, that was, DU was a big part of uh, how I started off and was able to be successful the first couple of years, you know, going to banquets, donate a mount or two for a live auction or whatever they see fit to, you know, generate some money and they would let me set a table up. That was a big part of how we got started, you know, just especially when you're there, people see you're personable. You know, some taxidermists can be a little bit of a recluse. You know, some of them are a little <laughs> yeah. odd. You know, you cut the skin off animals and put foam inside, you know. <laughs> They're not all just quote-unquote normal people, but, uh, you know, just showing that, you know, you have a good personality, just the relationships you build with people, you know, networking and always talking to people. I mean, I can't tell you how many birds I've mounted from just random hunters I ran into at the boat ramp, you know, just kind to them and chat them up. And, you know, next thing you know, him and his buddies are coming over with five ducks. And that's just what my dad taught me about you know growing a business he was always a salesman and you know just talking to people taking advantage of every situation you know running into people you and your dog are a team fuel is best in the field and in life with purina pro plan sport 
Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. A good question for you really is, you know, this is not a, you know, there's not too many females, you know, really involved in the taxidermy world. So, I mean, what kind of unique challenges have you really faced, you know, along the way? Over the time I've seen that I've, I found a lot more female taxidermists on Instagram than I thought were out there. It's incredible how many I've seen pop up out of the woodwork. So that's really cool to see. But I think one of the main issues is when people come to our shop. They think that I'm just the helper. That's <laughs> right. They're like, oh, do you dry the birds? Or do you do the painting? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, she bounced them. So that's that's one of the big things that kind of affected me. But I mean, Mike always is right there to back me up. He's like, no, she mounts them. <laughs> yeah, she kicked my butt in competition a time or two, too. So, so. That's right. I mean, y'all, see, how many different competitions have y'all competed in over the years? Um, we just kind of done state-level shows um, the last couple of years. We've done Georgia, South Carolina. Um, in Texas and you know they have the world show the national level show um, that's something we're looking into doing you know in the next couple of years but we just wanted to get a few under our belt kind of see what they're looking for um, just the level of detail that they judge you on in those is is unbelievable I mean you're going you're talking about rebuilding nictitating membranes in a bird's eye if you look inside of a duck's nostril they have what's called a nasal post so we have to drill that nostril out just like a live bird you can see through it and then rebuild that little post in there I mean it's just it's unbelievable the stuff that they look at that a customer would never even think to look for. But, but it really, it, it trains your eye. And you got guys like, you know, Corey Carruthers, probably one of the best in the world. Shane Smith, everybody knows him. You know, these guys are the judges. So it's a huge advantage, you know, that it's all good competition and all, but you're there to learn. And um, you're getting a critique from a guy like that. Then he's been doing it for 30 years. He knows those birds in, in and out. He knows anatomy. And they can see what's going on under the skin just by looking at your bird. And, and that's where we've gotten good is just going to those competitions, being humble, you know, being open to learn. You know, this is not an industry. You can be proud and, you know, too good to learn something from somebody. You know, that some of the best ones are some of the most humble. Great point of about those people that judge those competitions, like Shane, you know, knowing uh, waterfowl anatomy and knowing that because you were talking about he, he could spot that you used a wood duck body on it. Was <laughs> yeah. it a hen mallard? Hen pintail. Hen, hen pintail. pintail. Yeah. And he, he could see it. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and He's like, did you use a wood duck body? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. We're like, how does he know <laughs> that? How does he know? Because it's a small hen pintail and you got to match the size up, you know. But even Corey, when you were mounting your, um, your gadwall and you were asking about your, um, the Your posture. position you wanted to do. Yeah. He's like, no, when their heads are up, that something on his yeah. breast just is... they'll stand a little taller. You know that the the bird's not you know parallel to the ground. Whenever a bird's alert and he has his head up, his chest kind of picks up a little bit too. So, I mean, you're getting hit for just minor minor stuff, but just the level of anatomy they understand is just it's unbelievable, and specific it really opens your eye. Specific movements as well. They're like, no, if their head's up like that, they're, this needs to be here, this needs to be here. It's just like, how do you know this? Yeah, because, I mean, a bird, it's all muscle in the breast and everything. You got to think when a bird stretches his wings out, that breast flattens out. Those breast muscles pull out. And as he's flapping down and closing up, they push together. So you have to shape that body the right way 
to show that muscle structure underneath the skin, you know, and, and that's something we do for our commercial mounts. You know, you have to alter these bodies and that's where a lot of people struggle. There's 41 species of waterfowl in North America. And then all those come in different shapes and sizes. I mean, there's four or five different bodies just for a mallard, just because they vary in size so much. So you're talking about millimeters here and there can make a big difference in a very good looking mount and a not so good looking mount. So just the level of detail you have to pay attention to. Especially on the head. Bird heads are so small. So when you're doing eye sets and everything, you're, it's a game of millimeters. If you're off just a little bit, I mean, you think of a bird head compared to a human head. So Shane Smith described it to us in a seminar. He said, if you're two millimeters off on a bird head, imagine two inches on a human head. If you had a big two-inch lump on your forehead, you'd look kind of funny. So that's right. That's, that's how right. he put it into perspective. And we're like, wow, you know, that, that was eye-opening, you know, and just hearing things from guys like that, it's, it's really helped us, you know, dial in our skills and pay attention to the details and just put the best quality product out there we can. Yeah, that's it. And like I said, you know, folks, you know, you really need to take a look uh, at, at their what their at their work. I mean, it, it's really it's really top notch. And, and the name y'all's uh, business again? The business is Feathered Arts Taxidermy, and then you can find Feathered Arts Taxidermy on Instagram or Alyssa's page is Miss Taxidermy Texas. Um, she's got a lot more followers <laughs> for some reason, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, we all know what the reason is. Like, uh, why she has more followers than you. It's the but, reason uh, I reason I went for it. You know? <laughs> That's it. But um, yeah, it's really cool. And it's really cool. Y'all end up down here in El Campo. So you know, y'all are in South Carolina, right? And so, g- give me a little background on, on how you got back down here. Yeah. So Alyssa's from Texas. Um, it didn't take two or three trips back here you know just the whole culture of texas this place is it's really it's truly a special place there's i've traveled a lot you know just hunting and stuff i've been all the midwest and arkansas and up to maryland and uh, a lot of my family's from florida i've seen a lot of places but they're just nowhere like this place i mean just your everyday average you know communication and contact with other human beings is just better quality here they're just good people everywhere you go you go to mcdonald's hey how are you doing it's not what do you want you know (laughs) The and first it, time we came cool. here, he was like, people are so happy here. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, we're in Texas. <laughs> but yeah, coming from South Carolina, the land of the wood ducks, you know, there's the the waterfowl hunting. It's good on private lands and places, but just for an avid public waterfowl hunter like myself, it's just slim pickings. You know, you got to kind of time it up when those private lands are shooting just to get some birds to come out into the public land. So Right, right. Yeah. We were talking about the Ace Basin earlier, you know, yeah. about how, how you know, Ducks Unlimited and the, the landowners up there have really saved that basin from being developed. Yes. And how important those uh, easements are, you know, to everything. They've got easements right here on this ranch at Spread Oaks. And so this place will always be this way. Yeah. In perpetuity. You'll never, you know, no one will ever develop this. And um, it can't be overstated, but even in a place like South Carolina, which is not known for, you know, like say great waterfowl hunting, you've still got a lot of waterfowl there. Yeah. You know? The Ace Basin's pretty amazing. You know, you get a good cold, windy morning and, and you can kill ducks down there, but... It's one of the few places I've ever been hunting and literally seen 40, 50,000 ducks in a morning and not pulled the trigger because they're just that conditioned to that private land and there's not right. enough pressure in there, which they manage it well, but there's not enough pressure in there to get those birds to come out because we're hunting the rivers that are all tidal, you know, mud, marsh mud. I mean, there's not much food really. They just go to the, the big water and the sound and stuff to rest. So if you get a little pressure out there, then they're just going to go find those other rest spots on those plantations. They're not going to come out. Exactly, exactly. And you were telling me too, you're also a fisherman. So, yeah. you're, you know, you're going to be taking some offshore trips as well. That's right. I got my captain's license. Um, just another thing to 
kind of take a break from taxidermy every now and then just you know a trip or two a week whenever the fishing's good but yeah i'll be probably doing red snapper charters here in the gulf um the next couple years we just gotta get another boat and get all that figured out but um taxidermy is always going to be number one that's always going to be my my true passion just i love ducks man it's just uh i gotcha i gotcha listen any any desire to be a fishing guide as well i'll be first first mate mate. yeah Yeah, the first mate that's right man and you know everybody needs a first mate on the damn boat yeah Yeah. but that's why we came to el campo is just because the proximity to the the gulf and it's a it's a waterfowl town, man. Yeah. Rice birds. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it is the truth. The culture of waterfowling, and I was talking to Rob about it yesterday. You know, Houston, weirdly enough, being a massive, massive city, right? One of the biggest in in the United States, is surrounded on both sides of it by a really a long time waterfowling culture that began in the 1800s on yeah. both sides of the city. So it's very unique in that respect. That you, I can't think of another city. That there really has that kind of history to it, you know. It's surrounded by redneck is, duck hunters, you know. <laughs> and he, they built Houston basically on a bunch of bayous and stuff like that. You know, that's why it floods every time. Pretty much hurricanes <laughs> come in, but that all that waterfowl marsh and then all the farming and everything else just created you know a huge waterfowl culture around Houston. And Rob's book. Uh, you know, there's pictures of a downtown Houston sporting goods store with people lined up, got ducks out there. Can you imagine somebody doing that? Yeah. Now? <laughs> There'd probably be riots in the streets. But uh, anyway. Um, but it's so important for guys like Rob and, you know, what they're doing at Spread Oaks because that Houston area is expanding. I mean, Alyssa saw it growing up. Katie used to be a huge uh, place for snow geese. Yeah, yes. My dad used to take us almost every weekend to go watch the snow geese in Katy. And now that's just yeah, unheard of. Now it's a concrete jungle full of yeah. track homes and there's not a snow right. goose in sight. So it's, it's sad to see and hear about, you know. it's It was always better back in the day, but I mean... Today will be back in the day for the next generation, uh, yeah, and uh, that's we got to right. protect. And that's right. I mean, I was in the middle of it of that whole goose culture back in the nineties. Um, well, growing up in Houston area, you know, from the mid eighties, you know, I, I just thought that was the coolest deal. And we got to hunt with uh, Les Tompkins this morning, right? Who Shannon Tompkins' yeah. brother, who I used to read everything Shannon used to write about in the Houston Chronicle every Thursday and, and Saturday, and it was really. A special experience to you know to hunt with him uh, this morning as well. Yeah, and I love then, hearing the stories from Rob. And oh, I know it, man. You yeah. know, it, he's it, a really it, cool, dude. Yeah, yeah. he's an awesome guy. And Rob's cool. a transplant, right? I mean, he grew up in in, in Maryland. Yeah, right. And something wrong with that? Yeah, and, and <laughs> we got geolo- <laughs> up there. <laughs> and geology brought him down here to Texas, you know, and uh, he just fell in love with it and, and the whole culture. So it's it's pretty special. So y'all choosing El Capo is not a surprise. Really, yes, sir. You're right in the middle of it. Yeah, there's really not. Um, I mean, there's a couple of bird ter- tax service around, but right in El Campo, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure. I could be wrong, but I don't know of another one. So it seemed like this place kind of needed one um, from some of the outfitters and stuff I've talked to. Um, there's a couple good ones down the road here and there, but right in town, there's really not one. So we're well, really there, excited. Well, there to is see. now. There's two. Yeah, there's two. <laughs> we're excited to see what this duck season brings. Um, Oh, y'all are going to have plenty of business, I'm telling you, man, you know, and I would encourage anyone who comes down in this area, if you're hunting there, you know, if you've got a trophy that uh, you really want to have mounted, you got to drop by and see uh, Mike and Alyssa, they'll, they, you know, their their quality is second to none. Well, we appreciate it. And even if you don't kill something, you want to stop by and check out the showroom, you know, as long as you reach out to us and, you know, let us know you're coming. We, um, we're happy to show you around. Let us, you know, show you the shop and... Come see our pet ducks. Yeah. <laughs> Come see the pet ducks. <laughs> You know, they're right outside the window of the shop. Yeah. You know, you can't miss them. My secret weapon. The secret <laughs> weapon. That's right. Everybody's got to have one, you know. 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with uh, the Pitt family and, and Pat Pitt, you know, uh, yeah. the waterfowler, he calls himself. He's, he's, he's been batting birds forever. <laughs> he can call himself that. <laughs> yeah, he can. Yeah, anyone in the world calls himself the waterfowler, it's Pat Pitt because the man has been all over the world and is, is the most passionate waterfowl hunter I've ever known and a great taxidermist as well. But he's got a he's got a full aviary in his backyard, man, and he'll have stuff like, oh, man, you know, white cheek pintails and yeah. stuff from all over the world back there, you know, swimming around. And it's... Uh, it's really a cool deal. But talking about that, you know, I know recently down here in El Campo, a guy, you know, shot a bird that shouldn't have been here. Yeah, the ring teal. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, uh, I usually don't seek out customers like this, but I saw that and I was like, hey, man, I reached out. I was like, if you need a good taxidermist, we'd love to, you know, work on that bird. So I think he's going to bring it by uh, next week or two. So we're excited you know, to see that. And that's a great example. Yeah, that's something that Pat always says that, you know, there's no fences in the sky. So you never know what might show up somewhere who got lost along the way, right? right? Yeah, I had a customer from South Carolina. He came to Texas to duck hunt. He shot a pintail, and it was banded in Tokyo, Japan, killed right here in Texas. So, I mean, you never know. They get catch a wind, and you know, a storm blows up. I mean, they can they can go and do whatever they want. That's such that's what's so cool about you know waterfowl hunting. I actually knew a guide. Um, uh, back in oh gosh, it was back in the early nineties. He, he killed a paradise shell duck in Katie. Wow, <laughs> yeah, and it was just like yeah. he had to go and find a biologist. And like, what is this? Because you know, a paradise shell duck looks more like a goose duck yeah. hybrid, yep. right? And they're only yeah. in New Zealand and Australia. So he figured somewhere along the line in the trade winds or something, that bird <laughs> ended up lost. And he was yeah. with a group of speckle bellies, right? Yeah. So he just figured out, well. These are maybe some of my kind here, and, yeah. and, and locked up with them. So it, that that's really cool that you're getting a chance to to, to mount that teal uh, that was here hanging out with blue wings. Yeah, we're excited to see that. So we got to see if it's a standing or a flying mount to see who gets to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But yeah, we know that you know they're gonna they're gonna say, well, we want this standing, you know, because they you know, they want to listen. They want to listen. Yeah. yeah. So we'll take turns, you know, if there's when special birds come in, we kind of rotate who has dibs. So if you what, call it, then it's the next person up next time. So. Here's a question for both of y'all. What what's what you, what's the coolest bird y'all have ever mounted? I did a leucistic black belly whistling duck. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. That was neat. Had like almost a sherbet colored bill. It was it was modeled more than more so than a normal black belly bill, but that, Yeah, that, that was, was a cool bird. bird. He had white all mixed in. Um, I just recently did a, a quill like lesser Canada, which you see the the graders, right? But I'd never even heard of one. I, I, I was didn't able either. to do I didn't for, know they existed. for Lance Stanchik at the the Pintail Hunting Club. He killed it up in Saskatchewan, but um, I mean the banded pintail. It's just a pintail, but just the story, oh, knowing yeah. where it came from. You know, right. that bird went from Tokyo to Texas and then drove to South Carolina to get mounted. I mean. That's always cool. Done a few hybrids, um, mostly mallard black duck hybrids. That's a pretty common one. Thunder swans are always interesting. They're a, they're a booger. <laughs> they're very rewarding okay, when you finish. There's another question. Okay, what bird don't you want to mount? Thunder swans. <laughs> Thunder swans. Second that. Gotcha. And then why is that? It's just a, it's a giant white it's bird. It's size, right? And they got an inch and a half of fat on them. Um, you'll be standing the flesh and wheel. You won't get the smell off you for a few days. It's just a... It's just a backbreaker. I mean, all the process is just washing it. I mean, you can, you're looking at three or four hours right. just to wash that bird. And yeah, then it's white. So if you make any mistake and leave anything, yeah. it's going to show. Right. Yeah, right. I had to wash mine in a, our bathtub in our house because yeah. it wouldn't fit in the sink in the shop. <laughs> that, yeah. That was interesting. But that is a trophy bird, right? And people go to the Carolinas, right? You know, yep, North Carolina is one of the the best places to go kill a plumed out one. You know, if, and any guys that want to kill a thunder swan for the wall, just, you know, 
try to stay away from North Dakota. I know that's a good place to kill them, but they're going to be earlier in the season. They're going to have pin feathers. Um, and it's just, it's a nightmare. When those necks are pin feathered on those birds, they just, they look too small. They just kind of look funny. So if you can get one with a nice full neck on them, not that I'm advertising you to bring us tundra swans, but we will do them. You but will they're do not them. cheap. They are fun. They do turn out super cool. It's like you have a pterodactyl in the shop. Yeah, but. yeah, they're huge. I mean, they they can be fun. Very good. I mean, this has been great. Uh, I'm going to end this out with uh, I want to just kind of something we've done on some podcasts is like give me give me your uh, give me your ideal day hunting elk hunting. <laughs> going elk on that huh? well this is a DU elk. podcast yeah. thing, you know I mean okay ideal day waterfowl hunting okay <laughs> I'm kind of more of a intimate setting type hunter uh, waterfowl hunting I like two to three guys you know I mean what we did this morning was great and it's all good fun but you know being able to take your time you know take turns shooting you know that's fun it's just it's not all hashtag make a pile i mean i just i hate to see it i mean it's just it's what a lot of people are doing now they just want to see how many guys they can pack in a spot and how many birds they can shoot and it's it's not about the number of birds you killed you know it's about having a good time you know appreciating these birds you know um so many people have worked so hard to get these things back and you know in a good population like they are now you know but you know those slow hunts you can kind of pick at them you know two, three birds come in every 15, 20 minutes, you know. I mean, I love seeing 2,000 mallards drop into timber in about 15 minutes as well. But, uh, you know, I, I like that more intimate setting, you know, two to three guns, and you kind of know what you're shooting, and, you know, that band falls out. There's not a an argument over it, which I've never been one to fight over a band. If you want it that bad, you can have it. <laughs> That's right. I mean, yeah, I mean, we got a, a banded teal this morning. Yeah. And uh, everybody was kind of like, it was hey, like, great. cool, you know, <laughs> put it yeah. down. There's yeah. more coming. <laughs> There's more coming. That's right. Alyssa, what's your favorite? You know, what, what's your ideal day? Uh, I think Micah would disagree, but I love the days going with my dad. We would take the canoe. What, we would paddle maybe oh. like a mile and a half down this river. Alyssa's dad <laughs> would make canoe. you do a triathlon <laughs> yeah. to go shoot a duck. So every hunt, you're putting the work in and to kill maybe three ducks. or <laughs> <laughs> We killed quite a few sometimes. But just seeing nature wake up around you, seeing multiple species come together um, in the same area you are. Just like this morning, we saw black bellies. We saw fulvous ducks. We saw egrets. Just everything just and, buzzing around you. It's incredible. And, right. Pintails. It, it, you know, the, the amount of wildlife down here in this part of the world is incredible. Just the shorebirds and the egrets and, and, and all the different waterfowl species, you know, and a whitetail walked yeah. right yeah. You know, in front of us. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's cool. You know, when you manage a place and it's, you know, taken care of, it's, it's amazing what what it will produce. Yeah, but that canoe, that canoe ride, it's it's serene, kind yeah. of paddling into the, the river versus taking a mud boat. Yeah. We're <laughs> always showing up 15 up. minutes late because we're paddling a mile and a half. It is cool, though. I mean, it, it, there's a little nostalgia behind that, you know, yeah. doing it kind of the old school way. Right, there's nothing right. wrong with that. You see a lot more wildlife that way. You know, right, right. You're a mud not, motor is good at scaring off about everything in sight. But yeah, but you're paddling a canoe are, are great for getting you to hard to reach locations. But yeah. you know, there it, it's like I said, it's loud. Yeah, and, it, and it's a little intrusive. Which so, I got one, so I can't. Yeah, I mean, it's we kind all of forced do, to right? having one you here. Know? So, but it's just yeah, those quiet hunts, man, that are that are that are just like you said, slower, and you kind of take your time. You can really sink it all in. I mean, it's it's really great. That's really great. Well, this is fantastic, man. And thank you all very much uh, for, for all you've done. You know, uh, you know, like I said, what you all continue to do for, for Ducks Unlimited and, and um, you know, just, just being, you know, supporters of the organization. It's fantastic. Yeah. Thank we, you. we thank Ducks Unlimited. You know, without 
Ducks Unlimited, there wouldn't be the waterfowl there is today, and we might probably, not have a there business. There probably wouldn't be a us, because I yeah. was always chasing Ducks Unlimited, trying to get a job, and not then that led me to Campus Waterfowl and everything. So, so I mean, if they want to get a hold of y'all to, you know, to get uh, some work done, I mean, how do they get you? Um, we don't have a website or anything right now. Pretty much social media is the best way, um, through Instagram. I'm Feathered Arch Taxidermy, with underscores in between each word, and Alyssa's Miss Taxidermy Texas. It's still M I S S. We got to talk about that, yes. but but you can't change gotta, it. Got to go to M S, I guess. <laughs> Ms. Taxidermy, Texas. Yeah, we also have Facebook. So yeah, and there's a Facebook page as well. So feel free to to slide in our DMs, and uh, <laughs> we'd be happy to help you out. All right, very good, people. I, I encourage you to. You want a quality waterfowl mount? These two. Are, are, are the ticket. So anyway, well, thanks everybody for listening to the Ducks Unlimited podcast and supporting wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.